Welcome to the High Performing Human Podcast, where we talk about how you can reach your potential as an athlete through nutrition, fitness, recovery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Hannah Boyle of Hannah RDN, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of the High Performing Human. I am here with my good friend, Dr. Amber Baldwin. She is has her bachelor's degree in health and exercise science, uh, has ho- her master's of business administration, and also is a doctor of physical therapy. So we are going to talk a little bit about training and kind of just let the conversation go and see where it ends up. So hello, Amber. Hi. Since, you know, we do this all the time, but our business, this might just be like a, like, I feel like this conversation is pretty much just like a conversation we would have at like the kitchen counter. Like (laughs) pretty much like, um, yeah, you think that's, and I think on the same page, but we have different things to bring up. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. So I guess kind of let's start with, um, just talking about like programs in general. And I mean, I don't know, like picking a, like, I feel like people get kind of confused in terms of like, they, they try to find the quote unquote, like best program. And there's not necessarily like, I don't know. And in my view, there isn't really necessarily the best program for, I mean, it's kind of like nutrition. It's very, it has to be very personalized and stuff like that. But um, if you had to kind of have an idea of, or give an idea of how people should select programming, what would you maybe recommend? Um, Well, kind of like what you're saying, there is no umbrella best training for everyone. Um, So my recommendation would go based off of what someone's goal is. So like, if you were to take me and my goal, like I'm getting married in a year and I want to obviously it's an aesthetic thing. I want to look good in my wedding dress. So what does that entail? That entails fat loss and muscle toning. So I would choose a more strength-based program that does have cardiovascular components. Hint, hint, fit hub training. Our our business is (laughs) what would help me read. And yeah, shameless plug. Um, It's what would help me as an individual reach my goal. So that would be the quote unquote best program for me to do. Now, if you have someone that is a diabetic that has trouble with insulin control, then you would want them to have a lower stress strength-based program with lighter cardiovascular exercise. So it's still low stress from the cardiovascular standpoint, but it helps with their hormone regulation and all the nutrition-y things that you are, you know about more, but um, yeah, so it's purely based on the individual and what their goals are. Now, if you have someone who's like, I want to compete in a, what is it called, where they like are bodybuilders and they compete? Is it just a bodybuilding competition? Isn't there a name, like Strongman or something? No, that's different. Well, it's anyway. like unconventional, like lifting, like you know, like the Atlas stones and stuff like that. If bodybuilding would be like a physique show. Physique show. So if they want to compete in a physique show, then that is completely different. There's going to be, I would say more of a, an isolated training type thing. So that is the purely we're doing 
buys and tries and legs and it's very focused. So it's really, like I said, based on the individual to make a recommendation. Perfect. Yeah. So, and that's the thing too, is, um, I've always been a proponent of if you, if you don't necessarily have a very specific goal and you just want to exercise for health, um, you have to find something that you like to do. And even in the same realm of, you know, with specifics in terms of, you know, having specific goals, like find something that you enjoy doing because exercise is hard. I mean, it's, it can be uncomfortable. So why make yourself even more uncomfortable by doing something you don't enjoy doing? Yep. Um, one of my friends, she is like, she does rugby and they are doing training as a team and she, and I'm like, well, why don't you just do that? Because she has terrible gym intimidation. She's like, I get nervous when I go into a gym. I feel like people are staring at me and she's like, I know they aren't, but I just, it makes me not want to go into there and work out. I'm like, okay, then why don't you just continue doing like what you're doing with your team? That's perfectly fine. She's like, yeah, you're right. Um, so I absolutely agree. It has to be something you enjoy. I think it's super cool. Like there's so much hate on Globo gyms like Planet Fitness, but something that they do that I think is super nice is they have trainers that just go around and they're like, Hey, do you want to join my class? It's like a half hour and you can say yes, you can say no. So I did it one time and I totally thought it was going to be really easy, but it ended up being really hard, but it was so fun because you're with a bunch of people and they're like telling you what to do and they're making it super hype. So that's cool. Um, and then you see all these things on the internet where it's all these different workout, like the trampoline thing. Have you seen those where you have to like jump up and down on the mini trampoline? Yeah. Super difficult, looks really fun. And these people are finding what works for them to keep them motivated in their exercise, just to get moving. Yep. And I mean, even like, so for me, even personally, like when I go into a gym, I immediately go for the barbell. I go for dumbbells. I go for, you know, more of the functional fitness type of stuff. I'm not a huge fan of machines. So even for me, like I have my comfort zone of where I am at in the gym and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's what I like. And I mean, I'm not saying that I don't like know how to use the machines, but I'm just not as comfortable with it. And I'm not going to try to put myself into that position when I know that there's something that's going to work just as well for me that I like doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I am 100% guilty of going into a gym and standing and staring at a machine for about 10 minutes. Like, how do I use this? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how to use all the machines, no. especially when they're all the same color. I'm like, I can't tell what the difference is between all of these. Yeah. And that's like, so yeah, I go to the functional yeah, there is, I mean, a lot of um, places are, are decent about like they're, they'll have um, like instructions on the machines of how to use them. Or um, I've noticed like some gyms are actually starting like their own YouTube pages of how to use the different equipment, which is kind of cool. Um, so you always have options. Um, so yeah. Um, so kind of on that, like not only, you know, selecting the right program for you, um, I kind of wanted to touch on like, no matter what type of program or what type of thing that you do, um, things that should be included in your program, <clears throat> like rest days, 
um, and how that Mm. plays into training and how that's actually, I mean, honestly, it's so counterintuitive, but like with nutrition, I've learned the same thing that your rest days is actually when you're making your gains. Yeah. Um, I know that we have been preaching rest days to so many people. And even when we're not, when we weren't working together or we didn't even know each other, it was something that we had in mind. Um, and it's something that people don't think about. We grow by resting like you. So when we are building our strength, we are in fact tearing muscle fibers at a very small level, not a harmful level. That's what it needs to happen to build. So how do they come back together? Well, we have to rest. So if we train seven days a week, we're never going to give our body that time it needs to repair. Whenever you're an inflammatory process, we automatically think that that is a small angle. Like that I would get, I would guess that's the number one image that comes to mind when someone things like inflammation, something is broken, something is swelling. And that's not necessarily true. So when we do any sort of work to our body, whether that be strength or cardiovascular exercise, like running, there's going to be some sort of breakdown. And then that inflammatory process comes in. And that's not like a small ankle. That's just a physiological process that happens to heal. So um, in order for that process to do what it needs to do, we have to rest. We can't just constantly put our body in a like everyday restart the inflammatory process. We have to give it a time to heal. Um, so rest day should occur after one or two days of training, maybe three. So you can do an active rest day. So that just means something light like walking. Um, and no, that is not complete rest but that is something that needs to happen for our body to improve. Like we have to increase our blood flow in order to heal. So you have to have one active rest day. That's when we're increasing blood flow, bring oxygen and nutrients to whatever we just broke down. And then you work out again for a few more days and then you really do a complete rest day in order for your body to repair. It's a very long winded explanation and it might not make the most sense, but there's it's no a lot of science talking about. <laughs> we promise. What? I said, just know that we know yes. what we're talking about. We promise. We, when we learn it in school, it's kind of like building a house. So when we're, that's actually what we use when we talk about bone healing, but it applies to all other kinds of healing. So we do a really heavy strength day. We destroy our legs because we're like, we want the booty gains. And then, um, we're super sore and we have a bunch of lactic acid that happened when we exercised. We broke down muscle fibers. That's what happens. So we broke down the foundation of the house. Then the inflammatory process starts. So it's clearing out that lactic acid. It's clearing out any debris that came out of our muscles that is natural and supposed to happen. And then we start building the house. So the muscle fibers start repairing and getting stronger and then as that's happening as we're resting and then we do it again and it just just keeps getting stronger and stronger we keep building foundation and we get those uh strength and booty gains hopefully that picture helps a little bit yeah i like that just got a little block okay so kind of on that same topic of like 
how, I mean, this isn't necessarily all about like recovery, but I just wanted to touch on to a little piece of recovery because I know there's a lot of different modalities out there for recovery. And so how should you incorporate things like mobility, um, things like foam rolling? I know, you know, these massage guns are hype right now. Uh, <laughs> so it's a fact. <laughs> It is. I, I own one, but it's, it's a fad. <laughs> um, so like massage guns and then also like heat and cold therapy. So kind of those things and how to incorporate them into training, like, you know, on training, like what should we do on training days? What should we do on rest days? And what should we not do at all? If anything on training days, I would avoid any sort of heat. Um, I've seen so many people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm in pain after I just deadlifted. Let me go put on a, like a heating pad. And I'm like, no, please don't do that. So one of like, talk about that inflammatory process again, when you have a broken ankle, you do not throw a heating pad on it. That's just going to make it worse. You don't want to it, it seems so counterintuitive. Like we want the inflammation, but we don't want too much inflammation. There has to be a fine balance. So if you put a heating pad on something that hurts, right? Like in such an acute phase, right after it starts hurting, you're going to, it's called vasodilation. Your blood vessels open up and everything just starts rushing through. Then you really are going to get that like fluid swelling, more blood than we want to go there is going to go there. So if something is fresh and right after working out, do not put heat on it. We want a good balance. Throw ice on it because with ice, you get vasoconstriction, which just means that the blood vessels shrink for an appropriate amount of time, 20 minutes on, get that coming, that shrinkage of the blood vessels. And then after the ice is removed, the blood vessels will gradually open back up again to their normal level and we can get that inflammatory process going at a natural healthy rate again please don't put a hot pack on after you deadlift or workout um i'm a big fan of cryotherapy for pretty much everything now the science says that after about 48 hours of injury or working out it's really not going to be the most effective and there really isn't any physiological effect on soreness, but if it feels good, it's really not going to hurt you. Um, so those are like my stances on thermotherapy. I am a huge proponent of ice. I'd rather people stay away from heat. It's not going to hurt you in the long run. Like if you just want it for comfort, but ice, 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 um, mobility. I like mobility on active recovery days um, and training days. So let's talk about the types of stretching. Maybe mm -hmm. you want me to touch on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's static stretching, which is like what you picture a football team doing before a game. They're standing in a circle and counting to 10 and just doing a stretch, like just standing in place. Like I can, I cannot wait until we get away from that because it's so bad. First of all, it's not doing anything. Like according to research, we have to hold a stretch for at least 30 seconds for there to be any sort of fiber change. 
also um, also just mention that most of the time like just thinking back to like when I would run track and we did those same types of static stretches like we weren't actually going to the point of stretching we were just sitting there for like the count to 10 and like I mean it wasn't actually yeah. even if we were like going to stay in that position for a long enough period of time we weren't really doing anything <laughs> no I feel like it's more uniformity thing than it is for actually warming up I will say in the last maybe five to ten years like how long have we been out of high school mm. I would say it got better like 10 years I would say the last 10 years it's been better seeing all the sports teams moving to dynamic stretching which means they're uh like high knees the but so when you're like going up and down in the line and you're moving to do your stretching that is much better than static stretching so like the static stretching when you're standing still you're constricting the blood flow to the muscles which we don't want we want the blood flow going to the muscles in order to essentially wake them up Blood flow is great. We love it. Um, so if you're going to do any sort of mobility before or after a workout, before should always be some sort of dynamic stretch. High knees count as a dynamic stretch. You're lengthening your hamstrings. You're lengthening your lower back muscles. Um, leg swings. So any sort of dynamic stretch um, should be done before a workout. Again, it's an excitatory movement. You're going to get that blood flow going, wake up your muscles. Um, and then if you're going to do any sort of stretching after static stretching is good. Um, there is research that shows that, excuse me, static stretching is appropriate for after a workout because it has that blood flow restriction to a certain amount and you can get true, um, like elastic change in your muscles without affecting your workout negatively. So then mobility on the two kinds of rest days. If it's a passive rest day, don't even touch it. Like we don't want you to do anything. Just let your body do what you would do on a normal day. Someone has asked me like if on a passive rest day, if it's too much to do housework. No, it's fine. It's daily living. You're not adding any extra stress. I don't want you to do like an entire yoga flow on a passive rest day. Basically just leave your body alone, let it do, do its thing. <laughs> on an active recovery day, mobility is perfect because especially if it's like a yoga flow, you're, it's kind of like a mixture of dynamic and static stretching, but more of, uh, actually I'll say it's pretty even in the yoga flow, but Every days are a perfect day to hit a mobility just because you're not putting your body under any other stretch, stretches, <laughs> stresses, and um, it can count as a light workout too. Sometimes it yoga is really hard. hard. Like, a lot of you get into like, not just like a flow, but like if you get into like some of like the more intense stuff, it's like, geez. So there's a, there's a difference between like a, like hot yoga, like super intense and like a yoga flow for active recovery too. So like, just don't, let's yes. not him. Absolutely. You're, you're right. Thank you for bringing that up. Like Josh and I used to do a hot vinyasa, like we would go to a studio and do a hot vinyasa and we were like dead by the end of it because first of all, it's hot, obviously. So you're sweating and then you're putting your body in all these 
positions that are so difficult that like we're shaking when we walk out. So that is not an active recovery workout. That is a workout workout. Yeah. So absolutely look at like a light yoga flow with the goal of just light mobility and free. Yeah. I like that. Um, so then, so that's kind of like the mobility piece. And so when we talk about some of these other modalities, um, what would you categorize like foam rolling or like massage gun, you know, like percussive therapy as, and how would you utilize those? Um, foam rolling, I would categorize as soft tissue mobilization, basically. So by soft tissue, I mean, we have skin obviously and muscles are soft tissue and between the skin and the muscles, we have layers of fat and fascia. So if you ever cut the filmy thing off a chicken, that is fascia. We have that all over. It's kind of a gross picture, but tells you what it is. Those, like that layer can get adhered to skin and muscle. So we need soft tissue mobilization via the foam roller to kind of break that up and allow the skin and the fascia and the muscles to glide. A lot of people think that foam rolling is just to hit like the knots that they have in muscles, which it absolutely does that too. Um, but also breaks up any adhesions that you have and just helps overall working of a muscle. Um, so I would categorize that as a soft tissue massage and something to do. You can do it daily after a workout. Um, I just said that it helps with the flow or the contraction of a muscle, but I wouldn't do it before just based off of how you're going to release a lot of waste out of muscle cells. And it's probably not going to feel very good during a workout if you foam roll first. Um, active recovery day, great time to foam roll. Probably would not do it on a passive rest day. Like I said, just leave your body alone on a passive rest day. Percussive therapy is definitely what like you said, what I would categorize a Theragun or any sort of massage gun under. They're great. It's just, like I said, it's a fad because now everyone is getting them. And I feel like people are overutilizing them. Would you agree? I agree. I think that like, yeah, like so I remember going to like CrossFit competitions last year and people just like stand there and like, so the Theragun that I have has like a little, um, meter on it when it tells you like it can kind of sense like the depth and like the intensity that you're giving yourself and if it's actually used like if being effective and like I feel like people are just standing there with a Theragun like on their thigh and like not even like giving it any pressure <laughs> and so like I just feel like it's it was like a cool thing to like stand there and have and I like I get it like it helps you know kind of like move things around and blah, 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 and whatever. But at the same time, I do feel they're, they're overutilized. Yeah. Um, I can see why it would be used in competition before if it's, depending on its settings, excuse me, like it's a thing where we use percussive therapy prior to competing for like professional athletes. Um, some people are like, why do people hit themselves before they go into a game? It is literally exciting your muscles if you hit them. So people will do like sort of percussion if 
like say a football player has an injured quad and an athletic trainer will go up to him before a game and literally percuss his thigh and it's going to excite those muscles before he goes to compete, run, whatever. Now, that is a good purpose before any sort of competition. You have a light percussive pattern, but I don't want people beating the crap out of their muscles at a deep setting, like a slow, deep percussion before they go into competition because you're like you're elongating the muscles at a cellular level you don't want to do that before you have to repeatedly contract your muscles I totally agree people are overusing them I think people are using it as like a replacement for doing mobility on their own like stretching rolling out they're like oh I'll just use my massage gun and I'll be fine like no not how this works So my, I guess my take on it is that it's a good modality and a good tool to use in conjunction with stretching mobility. It it definitely doesn't replace it because like just kind of looking at like how it works and just having a little bit of background knowledge of how the body works myself, like it, it definitely is doing something different than static stretching or mobility work. Yes, I completely agree in conjunction with other things, but like we both said, don't replace regular mobility with a massage gun. Yeah. So if people are utilizing a massage gun, if they do have one, when should they use it? Around the same times that you would use a foam roller. Okay. You could even foam roll first or like massage gun first. It doesn't really matter. They're both good recovery modalities. Um, I would personally look up videos, like intuitive movement, intuitive using a modality is fine. If it feels good, cool. Also look up videos. There are any from like athletic trainers or physical therapists, like crippled people. Look at the video, see how they use it. See what positions they put people in, in order to get the best bang for your buck, I guess. My fiance's sister, she got one for Christmas and her and her husband were like, can you tell us how to use it? And I'm like, okay, sure. So I put her in some positions. I said, you're going to get the best piriformis access in this position and put the gun here and you're going to feel great. And she was like, oh my gosh, that feels great. So I'm sure there are tons of YouTube videos on that. Um, But yeah, about the same time you would use a phone roll. So phone roller. So after workout or after recovery days. I know that Theragun, it's like, so the, the company Therabody that makes the Theragun, they actually have an app depending on what type of, you know, Theragun that you have. Um, so mine has like a Bluetooth connection and you can actually go through different like routines and it'll, um, like tell you what different heads to use, where to use it. So for example, my little brother comes over all the time and uses mine after basketball. And there's literally like a basketball recovery, like nine minute sequence that he does. And so it kind of walks him through. So it, um, yeah, it shows him like how to hold the gun, like what's the best like angle to use it at and then what points to hit. So, um, and I'm sure that if you downloaded the Therabody app, even if you don't have a actual Theragun that you could probably still run through those routines. And, um, there's a lot of different options too. So yeah, definitely find resources that are going to help you utilize these tools in the best way possible. Um, and that being said, if you need tools, Miss Amber here is probably a great resource as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm, uh, let's see, if you find like Hannah on social media, because you her podcast, um, I'm in there a lot. I'm on Instagram. Let me make sure I don't mess this up. We have so many Instagrams that I get yeah. our names mixed up. Okay, so my Instagram is amber.dpt. So if you follow me, you can just message me and ask, hey, I have, like, this is my goal for finding a tool. What would be the best to use? I can leave, my gosh, Hannah, we've been talking so long today, I'm losing the ability to talk. I can lead you in the right direction to find a tool or <laughs> um, maybe, like, hook you up with some YouTube channels that I follow. I follow a bunch of physical therapists, not that I'm biased or anything, but there are some really talented, very people out there who put out great content for mobility and overall physical health. So I'm always, always looking to help people find stuff they need. Also on the topic of physical therapy and kind of just as a plug for physical therapists, I'm partial to physical therapists. I was going to be a physical therapist back in the day before I found nutrition. Um, but I mean, Amber, I mean, posts about this a lot. Like I follow people that post about this a lot, but just know that, um, you know, this is definitely a side note, but that physical therapy is a, um, what did, what, what is the actual correct term for it? Where you can go to physical therapy without a referral. Direct access. Direct now it varies. Yeah, it varies on state to state. So, like, obviously, we're in Michigan. Um, we were one of the last states to become a direct ac- direct access state. That just means that people can go to a physical therapist clinic, and they can get an evaluation, and they should be able to have either ten visits or twenty one days, whichever comes first, before um, having to go to a physician for a referral. Now that is, like I said, depending state to state. Some states laws are less strict, some are more strict, but it's definitely worth looking into if you don't want to go through um, your physician first because copays can be expensive. Try and see if you can go to a physical therapist directly if you have any sort of injury or just want um, like a checkup. Physical therapists are fighting to be like a primary preventative care. Because if we go see a doctor for a physical where it's labs, that doesn't tell us much about our body. Whereas the physical therapist can basically look you over, see if you have anything that you need to work on, give you some tools and send you on your way. Um, We have to do body maintenance too. So huge plug for physical therapists. We need to maintain our body's health also, not just our blood work health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nutrition is still not recognized as preventative care, which is so silly, but you know, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, for those of you that follow this podcast, you should know that nutrition is preventative therapy. Cause I mean, I get it, but, um, there was something else I was gonna, there was something else I was going to say, but I kind of forgot. Mm, had something to do with physical therapists. I don't know. Anyways, um, so Amber, anything else to kind of share on the aspect of training, setting up your training schedule or finding a training plan for you? Do your research. Um, There are so many fads and Hannah, I kind of want us to do, whether it's on your podcast or on our business page, like I want to put out a video on kind of 
debunking social media fads Mm. um because we have like we are on tiktok and there's so many things where there's such just someone who looks good and everyone's like oh my gosh what do you do and they're like oh I work out seven a week and I'm like no don't do that don't follow this person because <laughs> that's not gonna work for everyone I know so we should totally talk about that um but anyway when you're looking into a program that you want to do or you just want to get started first of all just go out get moving if you're not comfortable do it in your house um start finding what you like to do and then find a program that works for you based on your goals so just go back to the beginning of this episode and kind of listen to what I was saying about if you want to do like fast and toning do strength with some light cardio and then yeah really just do your research that's all we can ask do your research from credible sources so a good all any health to start a good place to start is fit hub training i will yes. it's not for everybody i totally get that um but we are um fit hub training uh f i t h u b and then the word training on both Instagram and Facebook. There are sample workouts there and we are more than happy to give you more information if there's anything that you ever, you know, if you want to give it a shot. Um, but I mean, that's a good place to start. Um, basically in a nutshell, FitHub is mixed intensity, depending on if you do the, um, we have a dumbbell program that's good for home workouts. We have um, a full gym program that's more like functional fitness based, but we use barbells, we use dumbbells. Um, kind of a little bit of everything. And I mean, if you're looking for something that gives you a lot of like, not only combination movements to do a lot of different work with your entire body, as well as some focused things, like almost like some functional bodybuilding type stuff. Um, yeah, we just do a kind of like a lot of different things to keep it interesting. Yeah. And we, both of our programs are you can do in a gym too, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. You're not confined to your house, but yeah, like I said, it's not for everyone. And we 100% get that. There is no single exercise program that is for everyone. You cannot umbrella any sort of program. Cross, it's not for everyone. Regular strength and bodybuilding is not for everyone. Fit hub is not for everyone. Zumba is not for everyone. You just got to find what works for you and will help you reach your goals. I think that that's one like takeaway, like not only from this, but like kind of overall, like if anybody tries to tell you that this is a one size fits all program and they don't give you, um, for anything health wise for, um, like strength training for, or any kind of physical activity for nutrition, for what you need in terms of like mobility and, you know, even like physical therapy type things and modalities. Like if anybody tries to tell you that this program will work for you without learning anything about you or your goals, freaking run. <laughs> like, run. run. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking about like that TikTok where like, it, like it, like it just let you look at the camera and it says run. And then like the music like builds up. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So I think that is, I mean, 
that gives us kind of a good baseline and kind of some good information. So again, Amber is on Instagram, um, amber.dpt. Um, if you follow me and you, you will be able to find her, even if you click on our FitHub page, she's listed as one of the co-founders. So uh, yeah, go ahead, go give that a look and we will, I'm sure Amber and I'll be back talking again soon. Yes. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Go ahead and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Hannah Boyle RDN. And you can find me on Instagram at Hannah RDN underscore. And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon.